So today we're going to learn, this is actually based on a really good TED talk by the same name. Uh, and in it, there are some really great tips about how to learn a language. And I'm going to apply it today to learning English. So the secrets to learning English. How can you learn English effectively? If you guys are interested, the woman's name is Lydia Makova. So I'll put her name in the comments after so you guys can check out her talk. But today I'm going to review the four ways to learn English effectively. So let's go ahead and begin. Teacher, how can I learn English? This is the question we get the most on our Facebook page and on our YouTube channel. So very often on po videos posted on live streams like this or the one with Dr. Don, we get a lot of questions asking, how can I learn English, right? How can I be better? So we have posted many videos and done many live streams like this about improving your speaking improving your listening, reading, and writing, being more confident, and just generally becoming better at English. So today I'm going to try and take all that we like to talk about on our channel about becoming better at English and put it together into these four easy steps. So how to learn a new language. How to learn English. There are four steps. Enjoyment, methods, system, and patience. So we will go through and talk about each of these one by one, how they are important, what does it mean, and how can you use it to really go to the next level with your English, okay? So let's begin with number one, enjoyment. So what does this word mean? Enjoyment in this, oh, let me find my mouse. It's somewhere, there we go. We see the word enjoy. And in enjoy, we see the word joy, right? Happy. So if you get enjoyment from something, it makes you feel happy, you like to do it, right? you enjoy it. So step one is enjoyment. This is truly step one. It is the most important. So before we talk about any other steps, you must enjoy what you are doing. So if you do not enjoy learning, if you don't like learning English, or the way that you're learning English, you will not want to do it, right? You will stop, you will not be interested, or you will feel that, oh, I have to study, oh, I don't want to, right? We don't want that. We need to make sure that no matter what, you are finding a way to enjoy learning. Because again, if you don't, you're not gonna want to do it, right? So how can you do that? What does that mean? 
Often when we think about studying English or studying any language, we think of things like memorizing vocabulary, studying grammar rules, things that maybe you enjoy doing. I know I love learning new vocabulary, but not everyone wants to sit down and memorize 10 words a day or 20 words a week or what have you. Or maybe the way that they're doing it, flashcards or, oh, grammar rules, right? Maybe they don't, maybe you don't enjoy that. So you have to think about this question. What do you enjoy? Maybe you enjoy reading fiction books, meeting new people, going to coffee shops, playing sports, playing video games, watching TV, watching movies, photography, which is taking pictures, right? Painting or listening to music, or maybe there are so many more things, right? So right now, as you watch, think about this question. What do you enjoy? Anything. What are your hobbies? What do you like to do? What do you enjoy? Okay, so think about it for a minute. So for me, I, for example, I love to read. I read almost every day. Um, I love to go to coffee shops. I love uh, playing games, watching movies, so on, so on. What do you enjoy? Anything, right? There are maybe one million more things we could add to this list. Okay, so now that you have thought about maybe three to five things that you enjoy, now add English to it. Okay, so what does that mean? Well, that brings us to step two, which is methods, okay? So now that you have thought of some things you enjoy, we need to take those activities and add learning to them, okay? A method is a way of doing something. You must use your interests to choose your learning methods. And notice here, oh, sorry guys, I always lose my, there it is. Your interests, your methods. What does this mean? Your methods will be unique or special to you. So you will not have the same methods as me. Maybe we'll have one similar method, but they will be different depending on what your interests are, okay? So we're going to make some methods. Another great thing to do if you're having a hard time is talk to others about how they learn too. You can also just use a search engine like Google to look up uh, how to learn uh, methods, study methods. Um, or maybe again, I gave the example of movies. You can just search how to study English using movies, how to study English using blank, right? And you can find some interesting methods and find one or two that works for you. So next, now that you have thought about what you enjoy, let's talk about 
some methods. So here are some some things that uh, I might enjoy, right? I like reading fiction books. I like going to coffee shops. I like playing online games. I like painting and I like listening to music. Great. So these are all things that I enjoy. So now I want to add English to it. How can I use what I enjoy to learn English, right? Add English to my hobbies and interests. So let's take a look at some sample methods for each of these. And you can think about your hobbies and interests and how you might add English to them. So number one, I like reading fiction books. Well, this one's probably easy, right? You can read the English version of your favorite book. Uh, for example, maybe you really love a classic novel and uh, you've read it so many times and you know it is available in English. Well, try reading it in English. This is a great method because you already know the story, right? So because it's not a new story, it's easier to start to learn the language around the story when you already kind of know what's happening, who the characters are, what the plot is, and so on. Okay, number two, I like going to coffee shops. Oh, this one's a little more tricky. If I love going to coffee shops and love drinking coffee and uh, making it and so on, I can always study coffee culture in blank speaking countries. So of course, if you're learning English, you want to maybe study coffee culture in English speaking countries. So learning language is not just about vocabulary, right? Culture is, uh, language is a part of culture. Culture is a part of language. So learning the language around different parts of culture, like music culture, movie culture, in this case, coffee culture, can be a great way to learn to talk about something you really like in a second language, right? Great to st always start with things that you enjoy because you want to actually learn how to talk about those things. You actually enjoy those things. Okay, number three, I like playing online games. Okay, so what can I do to use English if I really just want to play games with my free time? You can try to play on an English server like the US server, the Australia server, whatever is close to you geographically and easy to use. Maybe it doesn't have too much lag. And play on an English server, especially games that have an open chat section. And you can type, right? Chat with English speakers, read, see what they're talking about. Though this isn't the best way to learn formal English, it's a great way to learn slang and uh, kind of the way people talk to each other in that environment. And again, culture, right? So you can see inside gaming culture in different countries. Okay, how about painting or really any hobby? For example, let's say you really, really love painting. Read about your favorite artists' art and lives 
in English. So who do you love? What, what, uh, which artists inspire you or uh, make you want to paint? Well, one method you could possibly use is to read about your favorite artists' art, their pieces, right? And their lives in English. And finally, listening to music. You can explore English music and study the lyrics. So again, each of these also has culture in it too, which is great, right? We're learning about um, coffee culture, gaming culture, paint, uh, maybe art, art, art culture, uh, music culture, and so on. So these are all example methods. So think about what you enjoy and how you can add English to it. Okay, so methods are the base, right? So number one, enjoy what you're doing. Number two, make some methods based on what you enjoy. So let's say I've chosen those five things, right? So let's say these are my five methods. Okay, great. Um, read the English version of your favorite book. That's great to say, but I need to go farther. I need a system. I need to develop a system, and so do you. This means you need a study plan. So uh, before we get to that, so we see here a calendar, right? I can't just say, I will read my favorite English book or my favorite book in English. Okay, when? For how, how often? How long will you read for? When will you do it? How will you fit it into your schedule? So if you're like me, you love having a plan, but maybe this doesn't come naturally to you. You don't really, ah, no, I'll just do it when I can. So for, if that's how you feel, I, need, I want to tell you that this is a very, very important step. If you do not have a system that is doable, enjoyable, easy to stick to for you, then you, you, you won't get any farther. Okay, so uh, let's talk about how to make a study plan. Your study plan should be SMART. So what is this? This is called an acronym. That's when each letter stands for a different word. So the S stands for specific. M stands for measurable. A, attainable. R, relevant. And T, time bound. So we're going to talk about all of these, but let's take a look at what these words mean first. So first we have specific. This means that I shouldn't just say I'm going to read a book Specific would be what kind of book, which book, uh, how many pages, how often, what, what days, what times, and so on. Measurable. To measure something, we might think of like a ruler, right? Oh, um, it's 10 feet or 100 kilometers, right? But here we want to be able to measure our improvement, right? So whether that's, um, <clears throat> I will read 25 pages a day until I finish the book, right? I can see my progress. Or I will uh, study 
15 vocabulary words a week and use them in my writing. Okay, and you can measure how many words you use and how many you're learning, right? Measurable. A is attainable. This means you can do it. Another word we might use is achievable. This means it's possible. You can do it. So don't say, I will study, uh, I will read a book for three hours a day every day because you probably won't, right? It probably will be impossible for you to do that. Maybe you will at the start, but it, a word we would use is sustainable. This means if it is not sustainable, this means you can't keep doing it. It's too much. So make sure it is doable, attainable, achievable. Okay, something you can do even if you only have five minutes a day to uh, do something, do one of your methods, that's okay. Even just once a week, whatever works for you. The point is you have a system and you can do it. And, for, and there's no reason that you should have to stop, okay? The R stands for relevant. So this means that what you choose to do is uh it, it is important it's useful right it is not something that you'll never use so let's say you mm, this goes back to your methods right you want to choose methods that are uh it, it, that interest you are based on your interests and that you will actually use the language for right and finally, T means time bound. So whether that's, uh, I will read this book in two months, or I will give myself 30 minutes every, uh, 30 minutes, three days a week to do it, it needs to be time bound. So let's take a look a little bit closer at what these mean, okay? So specific, make your goals specific and narrow for good planning right? More effective planning. So it's, uh, again, I could say read a book or I could be specific and say, read, uh, 15 pages of Harry Potter in English, um, every week and highlight the words and write them down that I don't know and write them down on a separate place to study, right? Measurable. So you need to choose what your goal is. Is it that you want to learn more words? Is it that you want to read faster? What is your goal? Choose what, uh, what you're measuring and keep track of it, right? So if you uh, choose words learned, the number of words you learn, let's say you start off and, that, and you're learning a lot of new words and then... Uh, it stops. Well, now you can change what you're doing, right? It needs to, you need to measure. Attainable. Again, make sure you can do your goal. Make sure it is possible that your plan uh, is doable. Relevant. It should match your goals, right? Don't do something that isn't important to you. And time-bound, realistic. 
and have an end date. I want to do this by this time. Having smart goals is very important. Having a smart system of learning is extremely important and you can do it. So let's look at an example of a smart learning goal for studying English, right? I've been talking about um, uh, reading. So for example, I will read Harry Potter for 15 minutes every day, right? That works for me and my schedule. I will look up words I don't know and quiz myself on new vocabulary each week. I will finish the first book in two months. Okay, great. So we have, let's make sure we have each part specific. Yes. So I say how often, 15 minutes every day, vocabulary quiz each week, measurable. Well, I'm quizzing myself, right? I'm checking my learning. And if I'm not doing very well on my self-made quizzes, well, I can change what I'm doing, change how I'm reading, give more time to it. Attainable. Well, 15 minutes every day is attainable for me and two months, that works. I can do that. R, relevant. Well, I always loved Harry Potter and uh, I know that there's a lot of really good language in there, so definitely relevant. And time bound, yes. I have my daily goal, my weekly goal, and how long it, it will take me to complete. So use this as an example for how to create your learning system. Okay, so of course you have to enjoy the methods you use to and develop a system using them. And that's great. But the last step here is patience. This means being okay to wait, right? You should not expect to learn the entire English language in two months. You can't do that, but you can make progress. This is again why that M measurable is so important. If you are studying and practicing, but you are not measuring your progress, it will be more difficult to see how you are improving. So keep track. This might mean uh, something like recording yourself, keeping a journal. Let's say you want to work on your writing. Keep a journal, get a notebook and write in it at the end of each week, maybe. And then as time goes on, you can look back and maybe see your earlier mistakes. Oh, I know that that, that I shouldn't have done that. Now I know what's right. And maybe you can even fix it, right? For speaking. Maybe try to choose something to describe or talk about or a certain topic and record yourself on your phone or on your computer and then come back to it maybe a few, three months later and see, oh yes, I've gotten better. Or if not, that's okay. That just means you need to change your methods, right? And with reading. You can search and find uh, books, the, the English level, the, how hard different books are to read. So maybe start very easy, right? And slowly, very slowly work your way up. And that's a great way to keep track of your progress as well and to help yourself feel patient. So remember, you should enjoy what you're doing. 
use your hobbies and interests to create unique, special methods. Take those methods and put them into a well-planned system and be patient with yourself. And don't be afraid to change, right? If you develop a system and it's not working for you, change it, right? You may end up going back and forth between these two things again and again. And you may, over time, find also different methods that work for you. So just keep going through. This is not a one-time thing. You're going to have to change because you will change. Your interests will change. Your schedule or job might change. So just be willing to always uh, change these steps as you go on as well. All right. So those are the main four, but there is a fifth that I would like to add, and that is high expectations and self-compassion. So I think that it is very important to set high goals for yourself, but also don't beat yourself up if you don't meet those very high goals you set, but you want to um, make sure you are trying to do something you know you can do, but that's going to be challenging, right? We want to challenge ourselves. So you should acknowledge or recognize, no, yes, this is hard. English is hard. Learning a second language is quite difficult, especially if you do not live in a country where you're hearing that language all the time. So if you are learning English and you live in England, well, it will be a little easier for you because you have to use it every day. You see it on signs, you hear it on the radio, TV, movies, everywhere. You're surrounded by English. But if you are learning English and you live in Pakistan, for example, I saw someone on our comments today saying that uh, that's where they're watching from today. Well, you probably don't hear as much English, right? It's, it's going to be more difficult to seek it out, learn from it, and you really are more responsible for your learning. So it, it really falls on you. So it is hard. But still set high expectations and big goals for yourself. Trust that you can do it, that you are capable. But also don't beat yourself up when it takes longer than you think to reach those goals. Maybe my goal is to pass the um, pass a certain level of a TOEFL test or TOEFL or uh, not that IELTS or some English test. Maybe there's five levels of a test and I want to pass um, level three by the end of the year. And I'm working really, really hard, really, really hard, and I don't pass. Well, maybe I got to like 2.5. That's still really good, right? I'm still making progress. So make sure to set high expectations for yourself. And if you don't meet it in the time you want to, be patient, right? Persistence is the key. Keep going. As I showed you on the last slide, you might have to change your methods, change your system again and again until you find what works for you, but you will find something. 
if something isn't working for you, try something new because you may be just one step away from finding the methods and systems that help you to meet your goals. So have you ever felt nervous while speaking English? Maybe you uh, feel a little shy or nervous and when you try to speak, you forget the words. I know this happens to me sometimes when I try to speak a second language. So has that ever happened to you? Have you ever struggled with confidence when using English? So have you ever felt not very confident when using English? Or have you ever wished you could feel more comfortable using English? So actually, these are all things that some of our followers on Facebook and YouTube have commented. So uh, you guys, I hope today I can help you feel a little bit better about using English. So let's learn how to be more confident with English. Okay, you guys ready? So we're going to talk about three things today having a plan, something called fake it till you make it, we'll talk about that, and something called self-compassion. So don't worry, we will talk about all of these words and what they mean. So here is a three-step plan to be more confident using English. Step number one, have a plan. So do you have a study plan right now? Uh, what is a plan? You need to choose what and when you will study. So do you have that? Do you have, uh, do you know exactly what you study and exactly when you study it? Do you have a plan? Or is it just random and whenever you feel like it? So you need to choose what and when you will study. So this means you need methods, which are what, and a schedule, which is when. So let's talk about these things. So step one of having a plan is you need methods or ways to study. So a method is what you do. Right? This is the thing that you do to study. It is very important. This is something I talk about a lot. Your methods should be enjoyable. So this means you should like the methods you choose. So if you like to study English, maybe you love to study vocabulary. Well, that's a method you like. Maybe you like to uh, use flashcards when you study. Well, then do that because you like it. You enjoy it. If you don't like to do that, that's okay. You don't have to study that way. You can study any way that you enjoy, but extremely, very, very, very important that your methods are enjoyable. So how, how can we do this? Maybe you're thinking, oh, what does that mean? How can I like studying? 
Well, an easy thing is to think of what you already like and add English to it. So for example, maybe you love watching YouTube. Well, then watch YouTube videos about topics you like in English. Maybe you love to watch videos about food. I do. I like cooking videos. So how can I make this about language study? Well, I can watch YouTube videos about cooking in the language I'm trying to learn. So if I want to learn English, well, I can watch cooking videos in English. Or maybe you like sports. Okay, watch uh, some sports in English. You can do this on YouTube. You can do this uh, in many places online. So watch things. If you like YouTube, watch YouTube videos about topics you like in English. Maybe you love listening to music. Well, then a great enjoyable method for you to study would be to learn about and explore English music and use that to study. Study the music and read the lyrics or the words to the song and study the words. Music and lyrics, which are again the words in a song, are a great way to study. So if you love music, that could be an enjoyable method for you. Or maybe, like so many people, you love playing video games. Well, play your game, if it's an online game or a game you can play with other people, then play on an American or British or Australian server and chat with the players in English. This is a really nice way because you don't have to show your face, right? You can just type and practice. And you can learn a lot of English slang and see how conversations work with many people. So make sure to have methods. This is very important. But what's also important is having a schedule. A schedule is when right? It is impossible or not possible. You can't do it. You can't learn a skill like language without committing regular time to it. So this means uh, maybe every day or once a week or whatever works for you. Uh, make sure your schedule is doable, which means can do it, and enjoyable, which means can enjoy. So make sure you can do your schedule and you can enjoy. Did you notice here again, enjoyable. The best way to learn is to find a way that you enjoy learning. Whether it's learning how to ski, ride a bike, or speak English, it is best to, and, and uh, will help you if you enjoy it. So also make sure your schedule is specific. So this means don't just say, I'll study once a week. Okay, well, we're getting started on a specific schedule, but for example, instead of saying once a week, say and commit or always do it, 
I will study every Tuesday morning for 10 minutes. Or I will study three days a week for 15 minutes on my way to school or on my way to work. So maybe I choose Monday, Wednesday, Friday, right? On my way to work, I will study however I want to. Maybe that means listening to an English podcast. But that you have methods and a schedule. This is the best way to learn, okay? So step one for being more confident, have a plan. When you are doing something and sticking to your schedule and being regular, always studying in a way you enjoy at the same times, it will help you feel more confident, right? And less, what should I do, right? So have a plan, have a schedule. Okay, step number two is called fake it till you make it. So this is an English idiom. We talk about idioms a lot on our channel. This is an English idiom that means to pretend you're good at something until you are. So to fake it means to pretend, right? Um, and then make it means you can do it. So fake it till you make it. We use this idiom pretty often in English, especially when maybe I am starting a new job, for example, and I don't feel very confident. Well, I will just pretend to be confident until I am. And we can do that with English as well. Pretend you are confident using English and eventually, maybe, maybe even in a few minutes, you are pretending to be confident, or maybe it takes some time, you will really feel more confident and comfortable. So does this sound crazy? Maybe it does, but I promise it really works. So what does it mean to pretend you're confident? How do we pretend to be confident using English? Well, what do confident people look and what do confident people sound like? Well, confident people have good posture, good volume, and humor, right? Can, we can laugh at ourselves if we feel confident. So let's talk about each of these. First, good posture. So confident Someone who, has, uh, who is confident has good posture. Part of this means sitting up straight like I'm doing. So if you are using English, make sure to stand or sit up straight. It helps you, really does help you feel more confident. Make sure you don't start shrinking, right, and doing this. We do this when we feel nervous, right? So make sure to sit up straight and it really does help you feel a little more confident. Another part of good posture is don't do something called fidgeting. Uh, so for example, let's say I am looking for, oh, let's say I'm holding a pencil and I'm using English and maybe I feel a little nervous. So this is fidgeting, right? Or maybe I'm doing something like this, don't fidget. Make sure to be aware of the things you do when you feel nervous and to help yourself feel more confident, make sure to don't do those things, 
right? So sit up straight and don't fidget. I notice when I'm nervous, if I, I'm wearing a ring, I play with my ring. So I have to not do that because it helps me feel more confident and also other people see me as more confident. Another part of posture or, or just our body language is keeping eye contact. If this is difficult for you, or maybe in your culture, it's not uh, as normal to always keep eye contact when someone is talking, that's okay. Just make sure that you're not looking away because you're feeling nervous or shy. Okay, so step one of fake it till you make it, good posture. Next is good volume. So this means speak at a normal conversational volume. One thing that we do when we feel like we don't know exactly how to say something in English is maybe we start mumbling, right? We talk a little quieter because we don't, we're not really sure, is this how I say it? Oh, I, I don't know. So maybe you start speaking quiet, quietly. So make sure to speak at a normal conversational volume. And again, maybe you have to force yourself to do it. Maybe you feel uncomfortable speaking loudly or you feel uncomfortable sitting up straight, not fidgeting and keeping eye contact, but it's okay. You will feel a little uncomfortable at first, but soon it will feel normal and you will feel more confident. And last, and this is very important, is humor. So humor is, uh, we often say, if someone has a good humor, this means that they can, they laugh a lot or make other people laugh, right? If you have good humor. So part of fake it till you make it is humor. Don't be too serious. Laugh at your mistakes. Every person alive makes mistakes. I make mistakes, you make mistakes, that person over there makes mistakes, they make mistakes, everyone makes mistakes, right? So it's okay. If you are trying to sit up straight and speak clearly and loudly and you make a mistake, just laugh, oh, haha, and continue. It's okay to make mistakes. Don't uh, be too serious or too hard on yourself because this is just part of learning, right? We, we always make mistakes. And another thing that you can do, if you really feel like you're making big mistakes and you are talking to a native speaker, just joke about your language level. Oh, I have so much to learn with English. Haha. -ha. You'll be surprised at the feedback that you get. And what do I mean by this? Most people appreciate that you are trying to speak to them in English or in their native language, right? So it's okay. You don't have to be perfect. So just try to have some humor about it. It's very important to be able to laugh at yourself. You guys see me laugh at myself on the live streams when I make mistakes, ha ha, whoops, and continue right? So like this. So remember, good posture, good volume, and humor. Okay, our last step today for being more calm is something called self-compassion.
Okay, so what does this term mean? Well, self is you, or for me, myself is me, yourself is you. And then let's talk about the word compassion. Compassion is the feeling you get when you see another person suffering and you want to stop that suffering. So what is suffering? This is when someone is hurt or hurting, right? So maybe you see a child fall and cut their knee and you feel, oh, I want to help. I want to help that person. Oh, poor. Oh, you poor thing. I want to help you. That is compassion. So when we feel we see another person hurt, we and we want to help them and help them to stop being hurt, right? So how do we have compassion for others? What do we do? What is compassion? Compassion could be uh, your friend had a bad day and you just try to make them feel better. Oh, don't worry about it. You are so smart. You're so great. You can do it. Tomorrow will be better, right? Don't worry. So we might talk to people to try to make them feel better, right? Give compliments. This is compassion. Uh, we might do something to help them. Maybe I see that uh, my 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 mom, my parents are so busy. So I oh I have compassion, right? I feel oh it's so difficult for you. So I might do something like cook them dinner. This is compassion. So a, a good way to think about compassion with language is ask yourself this question. What would you tell your best friend if they were feeling bad about their language ability? Maybe my best friend is trying to learn English too. And um, she tells me, oh, I made so many mistakes today and I just feel so bad. Well, what would I say to my best friend? What would you say to your best friend? Well, I think most of us would say, hey, don't worry. You're doing a good job. Learning a language is hard. You're doing great. Maybe try to do this next time, right? So what would you tell your best friend if they are having that struggle? Now tell that to yourself. So if I tell my friend, if I would tell my friend, hey, you're doing a good job. Learning a language is hard. Try this next time. Well, now I'm just going to tell that to myself when I feel that way. Hey, I'm doing a good job. It's hard to learn a language and I'm going to try this other thing next time. And then maybe not feel so bad about it, right? Compassion also means patience and forgiveness. So patience means okay to wait. So it takes a lot of time to learn how to speak a language especially something like English, which is a difficult language. It has so many influences from other languages and it's an old language and it has so many crazy rules and things that it's supposed to be a rule, but it doesn't work. So be patient with yourself. It takes time and it's okay that it takes time. And forgiveness means to not stay angry or unhappy about another person's actions. So it's important to forgive yourself 
if you make mistakes. Don't, don't feel angry or upset or bad because you're making language mistakes. Just forgive yourself. Oh, it's okay, right? Have patience. It takes time. And forgiveness, it's okay that I make mistakes, right? Just keep trying. If you can't do that, it will be very hard to learn because if you're always saying, no, I should have been perfect. I did this wrong. I did that wrong. No, no. Make sure to have self-compassion, patience, forgiveness, and be kind to yourself too. So with practicing self-compassion, uh, remember, often when you're afraid of what others will think of you, you're putting your worries into their mind. So if you are afraid that you uh, of speaking to a native English speaker because you'll make mistakes and you're worried that they will think a bad thing about you, usually that means you feel bad about you, so you think the other person is will as well. But that's often not the case. This is most often not the case. So most people are understanding and forgiving and appreciate you trying and know that it's hard to learn another language. So uh, don't put your worry into someone else's mind. Okay, so remember, most people will be understanding and will not uh, think bad things about you. Okay, so remember our three steps to having confidence with English. Step one, have a plan. Have enjoyable methods and an enjoyable schedule so you can practice regularly in a way that you enjoy. Even just sticking to a study schedule can help you feel more confident because you're doing something and learning a little bit. Step two, fake it till you make it. Pretend to be confident until you are. Have good posture, good volume, and humor. Make sure you can laugh at yourself. And step three, have self-compassion. So don't be angry at yourself when you make mistakes. Be kind, be patient, and be forgiving. And remember, most other people are kind, patient, and forgiving too. So today we will talk about self-study and self-evaluation. So let's go ahead. What are those things? So self-study, I will answer the question, how can you effectively study by yourself? So effectively, this means in a really good way, right? So using your time well and using good study methods, right? So how can you self-study very well? And then self-evaluation. So how can you keep track of or how can you know and follow your English level with no class and no teacher? So I, I will share with you some different ways that you can do that. So let's go ahead and begin. So for self-study, today I will share with you self-study about the four main English skills, writing, reading, 
listening and speaking. Okay, so we'll go through one by one and talk about some different ways to self-study each of these main English skills. Okay, so first let's talk about how to self-study writing. This is a question that comes up very often in the comments during the live streams and even the comments on our YouTube videos and Facebook videos. So today I want to begin by sharing some different helpful ways to self-study writing. Okay, so let's talk about three ways to self-study writing. First, keep a journal. And we'll talk about each of these in detail. So keep a journal, use English writing prompts, talk about what that is, and write a summary. So let's go through these three self-study skills or self-study methods. So first is to keep a journal. So unfortunately, oh, no journal around me. So a journal is like a notebook that we write our thoughts in. So in a journal, you can write about the events of your day. You can write about your thoughts and feelings. This will help you express yourself. So it might not be something that you have normally done or that you have done before, but if you keep a journal in English, this is an excellent way to practice writing about your life, right? And all of our study skills are connected. So if you practice writing about your day and writing about your thoughts, your feelings, your opinions in English every day or very often, then it will help your speaking too, right? So you become more skilled at talking about whatever it is you want to write about. So for me, if I try to keep a journal in another language, it I write about uh, what I am comfortable writing about, but try to challenge myself a little. So let's say I want to write about, where's my mouse? There we go, the events of my day. So let's say I am studying English and I know how to talk about simple things like I woke up, I brushed my teeth, I ate breakfast, some simple things there. So I can also challenge myself. What does this mean? Well, maybe I did something and I don't know how to say it in English. Keeping a journal is the perfect time to look up new words, use them to talk about your day, and expand your vocabulary, improve your writing, and improve your speaking and confidence, okay? So keeping a journal, excellent, excellent way to practice your writing. And something you can see over time, your skill will improve, right? So also make sure to try and write 
as long as you can, as much detail as you can. So not just two sentences, right? It is hard to talk about our day in just two sentences. So maybe try 10 sentences or more, okay? So keep a journal. Our next self-study writing method is use English writing prompts. So what is a writing prompt? A writing prompt is a sentence or a question that we read and then write about that thing. So for example, a writing prompt might say something like, um, tell me what music you like. And there you go. Okay, that's the topic I will write about. So English writing topics. Okay. You can use Google or any search engine to look up English writing prompts. There are so many and just choose one a day. This will help you to learn to write about many different topics. And again, make sure to uh, use your phone or your computer to translate. Use uh, a dictionary, use tools to help you uh, learn the words and phrases you need to write about these many different topics. So here's an example. I just searched English writing prompts. So let's take a look at some that would be easy uh, or at least good starting questions to write about. Maybe could be difficult, could be easy. So your favorite childhood vacation. Wow, so that one topic you could write so much about, right? You could write about your favorite teacher, right? Describe them, what they are like in writing. So many things you could talk about. Write about your first job, right? So there are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of these kinds of questions out there. So all you have to do is search for them and then write about them each day, okay? Uh, okay, so the next way we can self-study writing is to write a summary. So a summary, let's talk about what that means first. A summary is like, let's say I have a long, long, long story or a long movie or something long and I want to tell you just the most important information about that thing. Let's say I watched a great movie and my friend asks me, what was the movie about? Well, I'm not going to tell them the whole story, right? Maybe just the most important information. So if someone asked me what happened in the Avengers Endgame movie, I could say something like, oh, um, they all came together to fight Thanos in the end. Well, I don't want to ruin it for you if you haven't seen it, but I would just give some simple information, right? This is a great way to learn how to talk about big ideas in a short way. 
sometimes when we are trying to express ourselves in another language, maybe there are so many things we're thinking about and so many things we want to say, it can be hard to uh, just say what we need to say, right? So practicing writing, again, helps our speaking too. You can write summaries about anything you like, okay? So this is always important. Write about what you like, right? Anytime you self-study, you should enjoy it. So you can write summaries about movies, books, TV shows, things happening in the news, and so on. Anything that you like, okay? So remember, writing a summary, keeping a journal, and using English writing prompts are all excellent ways to self-study writing. Okay, let's talk about our next self-study skill, reading. This is another very common question. Oh, teacher, how do I self-study reading? Well, let's look at a few skills. First, choose a story you know already. Use an online dictionary for meaning and pronunciation while you read. And lastly, write synonyms next to new words. So let's go ahead and go through these. First, choose a story you know already. Read a story in English that you know very well in your native language. For example, I know the story Harry Potter so, so, so well. I have read the books in my native language many times. So when I want to practice reading in another language, well, a great place to start for me is Harry Potter because I know the characters, I know the story, and this helps me to understand or infer, which means guess the meaning of words in sentences, right? Because I already know the story. So it could be any story for you. Just think, what's a story you know very well? And then find that in English. Find that book in English. This helps your comprehension or your understanding and your language development because you learn slowly how to infer the meaning of words in sentences or in a paragraph or in a story, right? So because you know it, it is a little easier to understand and maybe more interesting because it's a story you know and like. The next self-study skill for reading is use an online dictionary while you read. So maybe you're reading a book or maybe you like to read on a Kindle or a tablet, you can always have your phone nearby to use an online dictionary while you read. Of course, when you read, there will be words you don't know, phrases you don't know, 
things that will be confusing, right? So always have a dictionary nearby. When you see new words when reading, you can look them up in an online dictionary. So one of my favorites is Cambridge Dictionary. This is uh, dictionary.cambridge.org, something like that. Just search Cambridge Dictionary. It will go from language to language. There are many different languages. And you can see meanings. What does the word mean? And how do you use it in a sentence? You can see the translation. What is the word in your language? And you can click to hear how the word sounds and practice your speaking as well, right? So this is very useful. I think when you are reading, remember all of our language skills help each other. When we get better at writing, we get better at speaking and reading and even listening. And when our reading gets better, it helps our other skills too. So don't be afraid to write the meaning or translation above the word and read the sentence out loud a few times to help your speaking and your reading comprehension or your understanding of what you're reading. It helps to do it maybe three times to really help your understanding, right? So make sure to use a dictionary while you read and don't be afraid to write in your book. If you are, uh, maybe you are reading on a computer or tablet, just keep a notebook and write the words on, on there as you go along. All right, our last self-study method for reading is write synonyms next to words. So what is a synonym? A synonym is a word with the same meaning as another word. So if I see the word big, some synonyms or words with the same meaning are large and sizable. And we can use these all in almost the exact same way in most sentences, right? Synonyms are a great way to improve our reading comprehension and again, also our speaking as we learn different ways to say the same thing. This is, even uh, as a native English speaker, something we learn as we grow up, uh, as, as we go from kindergarten all the way through high school and so on, we learn how to expand our vocabulary and use more words and bigger words and more descriptive words. So you can do that too, right? This is a natural part of learning a language and you can make it happen for yourself by writing out some synonyms. So maybe you see a big word or an unfamiliar word, which means not familiar, don't know it, right? We, aren't, we don't recognize it. So write synonyms. Maybe you see a really, a word, oh, what is that? So yes, we can look up the meaning in translation, 
And it's helpful to write down synonyms for that word. So let's say you're reading and you see the word sizable. And you think, what does that mean? Sizable? So you look it up and maybe above the word, you write the words big and large. And this helps you make the connection. This is another word I can use for big or large. You can also write synonyms for small common words to expand your vocabulary. So let's say you see the word large and you look up a synonym above it, you write sizable. You can go both directions with this, uh, but this is a great way to expand your language and improve your vocabulary and your reading. And of course, because all of our skills are connected, read the sentence again with each new synonym. Maybe you write three synonyms for a word. Well, read the sentence, switching out with each new synonym. Most of the time, as long as it's the same part of speech, so all adjectives, for example, then uh, we can often use them in the same way, but we might need a different ending, right? Okay, let's move on to study skill number three, listening. So how can you self-study listening? You can use dual subtitles on Netflix and YouTube. You can watch TED Talks with transcripts and subtitles. And you can use language apps like Memrise, Duolingo, or Rosetta Stone. So let's talk about... Oh, did I skip one? Nope. Okay. TED Talks with transcripts and subtitles. You can go to TED.com to find thousands of interesting videos about many, 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 many topics. And these videos are teachers and professionals from all around the world talking about really interesting things. Many of these videos have subtitles in many different languages and full transcripts that you can read. So a transcript is all of the things said in the video. When you watch, maybe you just see one line of speaking, show one sentence at a time, right? On the transcript, you can see the whole speech and they have transcripts in English and Korean and Chinese and Russian and so many other languages. So you can listen along, watch, practice, right? Read and listen. This is very important to developing your listening. Make sure to read along while you listen. It helps us to understand and make the connection between the sounds we hear and the words they represent. So make sure to read the transcript or read the subtitles in English and your native language while you listen. You can also do this on things like Netflix and YouTube with something called dual subtitles. Dual means like two. So you can download something called Netflix Dual Subtitle for Learning Languages 
or YouTube dual subtitle. These are the exact names. And these are things you can download on Google Chrome that allow you to see two language subtitles at the same time. This is very useful. And the Netflix one, the Netflix dual subtitle, you can even pause, highlight words, put your mouse over a word and see the meaning. You set the language. So this is very useful for studying and you can do it with your favorite shows and movies. And you can even do it on YouTube. So this is a great way to study listening. Again, reading while you listen. And of course, you can use apps like Memrise, Duolingo, and Rosetta Stone. These are very convenient, right? We can do them any time of day on your phone at your convenience, right? Of these and of the many, I recommend the Rosetta Stone app because it takes an acquisition approach. What this means is from the beginning, you only hear things in that second language. So it starts very simple. You practice your speaking, listening, reading, and so on. Uh, from in, in a more natural way that you would learn a first language in. So Rosetta Stone is a great app. Okay, guys, let's talk about our last self-study uh, methods, self-study skill, speaking. Oh, this one. Many of you think, what? How can I self-study speaking? We often want feedback for our speaking, or we want to be in conversation to practice our speaking. But this is not always necessary to practice. You can do self-talk, which is like writing a journal, but we do it out loud. We speak it instead of write it. You can do something called mirroring. So you can watch our July 13th live stream for a whole lesson on how to do mirroring. Or you can join an online language exchange. So let's talk about these three methods. Self-talk, which is like journaling out loud. So this is something you can do in the comfort of your home. You can practice describing your day maybe pull up pictures on your phone and try to describe them in English, or describe what you see around you out loud to yourself. So this of course is something we do when we're alone and we just want to practice speaking. One of our viewers last week recommended doing this in a mirror so you can practice things like keeping eye contact and using gestures while you speak. So that's great, but you can always start by just describing your day and practicing your English to yourself. If you are thinking, well, I am not alone often, maybe you live with other people or you're very busy, you can also practice thinking in English and practice internally when you're in public or around other people. So you can still do these things, but just think instead of speak, right? If you 
uh, like this method and you want to use it, but you are around other people very often, you can try doing it uh, with your thinking as well, right? Okay. Next is mirroring. So I'm only going to talk about this for a minute, but if you watch our July 13th live stream, you will see a whole lesson about how to do this. Mirroring is a study practice that involves studying and mimicking or copying a good English speaker's speech, which means their words, intonation, and rhythm, and their body language. So gestures, facial expressions, and so on. So make sure to check out that live stream. This is a great study method that can help you feel more confident in your speaking, in your pronunciation, and so on. And last is join an online language exchange. There are many apps and websites for online language exchanges. Here you can chat with native English speakers anytime for practice. For example, try Speaky. This is one that uh, is a typing chatting app, but you can chat with native English speakers for practice. It's very comfortable because it's just, again, on your phone typing, so you have time to think. There's no uh, worries about making mistakes or anything like that. So you can use an online language exchange. All right, so now that we have talked about some study methods, some self-study methods for each of the main language skills, let's talk about self-evaluation. There are many online English level tests you can take again and again uh, to see what your English level is. For example, Cambridge English has a general English exam. There's also an online English level test from British Council. And again, you can just search these things online and they'll pop right up. There are also grammar quizzes and vo vocabulary quizzes for free online to test your skills and see where you need to improve. So you can just search for these things, right? There are so many resources. All you have to do is search. So maybe you are uh, trying to self-study some new grammar. Maybe you have a textbook that you're using or some study book. And you can look up um, a simple present quiz or mm, English vocabulary quiz to test yourself, see what you know, and this will help you see where you need to improve. If you get many questions wrong about some certain grammar point, well, that's something to study and work on. If the vocabulary quiz gets too hard with certain words, certain level of words, okay, well, I know this is my vocabulary level and I can work to improve. So let me recommend to you some reliable or very good English evaluation websites. Again, Cambridge English. They have an online dictionary. They have level tests. Really great resource. I also love British Council. 
Again, many great resources for students and teachers alike. Duolingo has an excellent English test. Um, it is not free, but it's a good one. And if you pay for it, you can take it as many times as you want over time. So it's a very good way to measure your progress. IELTS has a good online test and so does EF, EF Standard English Test. The key here is to choose one and take it maybe uh, three or four months apart. So take it a few times a year to see how your study skills are working, right? Are my methods working? Am I improving? And if not, then it shows you you need to adjust or change and do things a little differently. But choose one and take it over and over again. That's why I really like the Duolingo English test. It is very comprehensive, so many topics, many skills, and you can take it uh, every day. <laughs> Not that you should, but you can take it many times a year and track your progress, see how you improve. So what else can you do to self-evaluate? Well, this goes back to our mirroring. So you can choose a native speaking sample or maybe a video or short clip, maybe one minute or two minutes, whatever is comfortable for you. You can find it on TED.com, Netflix, YouTube, any, any resource, study it. And I don't mean study for five seconds and repeat. I mean, study and memorize for a week or so, or at least several days. Practice it a lot until you feel like I know these words. I know, uh, I, I really feel like I am saying something very similar to the native speaking sample. Maybe it's a clip from a movie or a TV show and I learn it and feel okay. I now I know it very well. Maybe it took me two weeks to really study. Then record a video of yourself. You can just use your phone. You can use your computer and record yourself repeating the same words, saying that native speaking sample. Then compare. How is your video different than the original video? Notice things like pronunciation or certain words or sounds that are hard for you or that aren't the same or aren't similar enough to be understandable and study them and practice those things intentionally. This is a really, it can be difficult to self-evaluate, but Repeating and comparing yourself to native speakers uh, can be a really useful strategy. And before we end, remember that enjoyment and consistency are extremely important. So what does this mean? You must have enjoyable study methods. If you want to study, but you hate studying, uh, the usual way, the normal way, well, don't do that. There are so many ways to study. 
there are as many ways to study as there are people. So find what works for you and what you enjoy. You also must have a specific, realistic schedule. So this means that you should uh, maybe every Monday for five minutes at 10 a.m. And it should be realistic. So if you are very busy, don't say, I will study one hour every day. That's very difficult, right? And maybe not realistic. Maybe if you study one hour a day, you will very, very quickly not want to study. So find what works for you. And you must stick to it. So this means continue. Find what you enjoy doing to study. Have a specific, realistic schedule and stick to it. You probably will not figure it out right away. So be patient. Allow yourself to change and adjust. Maybe your methods change, your schedule changes. That's okay. Keep doing that and find what works for you. We are going to talk about encouraging others to speak. So let's first take a look at this word, encourage. Encourage, um, th this word is a verb. Uh, so usually, if I want to encourage someone, this means uh, I want to... Mm, maybe help them feel good or help them feel better about something. Maybe my friend is having a bad day and I want to encourage her. Or maybe, she, let's say, hmm, she is going to run a race tomorrow and she's feeling nervous. I want to encourage her that she's going to do great. So I want to make her feel good. Now here, when we say encouraging others to speak, it means kind of gently helping someone to mm, be okay with speaking. So there are many ways that uh, in times when we might want to do this. So what can we do when we are talking to someone shy? Or what if we just want to make someone feel more comfortable talking and sharing their opinions? Or maybe we are talking to many people and maybe it's mostly me and my friend Amy talking, but my friend, uh, <clears throat> my friend Grace is here. Maybe she's very quiet. I want to get her opinion too. So what can I say? Uh, we're going to talk about a few different situations today. So today, let's learn phrases to help people to start talking and phrases to help people continue talking. Maybe you are talking to one person and they're telling a story or they say something interesting and you want to know more how to keep the conversation going, right? Very useful for speaking English. How can we keep the conversation going? 
And that will lead us into talking about the importance of follow-up questions. If you have been watching this channel for a while or watching my live streams for a while, you know I love to talk about follow-up questions. They're so helpful and important. <clears throat> so today we will review a little bit about that and talk about uh, how to use them in conversation. So let's get started. First, let's talk about phrases to encourage people to start or begin speaking. So this might happen in a group or uh, maybe in a classroom at work. There are many times we might want to encourage someone to start speaking. So let's look at four phrases we can use for that. First, what do you think? and then the person's name. Uh, what do you think, so-and-so? What do you think, Lolly Lolly? What do you think, Pedro, right? So we put in the name. Next we see well and their name, how about you? We see, does anyone else have an idea? So this is kind of a general question that we ask to um, a group. Maybe we've heard, we're, we're with 10 people. We have heard from two people. We want to hear more people, uh, more people's opinions. Does anyone else have an idea? Or we could ask someone directly. Do you have an idea? And their name. Do you have an idea? Okay, so let's see. These phrases are really good for group conversations. Um, one of them we might ask to just one person, but these are usually more commonly used in group conversations when we want more people in the group to start talking or to share, right? So let's take a look at how we use these four phrases with an example. Let's say I'm with a group of friends and we are talking about what should we do tonight? So let's see four examples. So let's say I'm talking with my friends. We're talking about what we should do tonight. I might say, I'm not sure what to do tonight. What do you think, Amy? So here I am encouraging Amy to share what she thinks we should do tonight, right? What do you think, Amy? Oh, um, oh, thank you. Uh, I think we should go see a movie. Now we have, well, such and such, how about you? So here someone could share their opinion. I think we should go for a bike ride. Well, Jack, how about you? So here we're asking, Jack, what do you think? What do you think we should do? How about you? Next we see, does anyone else have an idea? So this is usually later in the conversation when maybe we've heard from many people, but we want to hear from a few more. So, uh, or we're sharing many ideas and just asking, does any, anyone, not just one person, right? In examples one and two, we are trying to get one person to talk. 
here we're just seeing, does anyone have an idea? So let's read sentence three. We could go out to eat, go see a movie, or stay in. Does anyone else have an idea? So here, maybe again, many people, right? Does anyone else have an idea about what we could do? And last, we have one more example of asking one person. Oh, I can't think of anything. Do you have an idea, Grace? So here we are again asking one person. So these are all great phrases to encourage people to start talking. What do you think? Well, how about you? Does anyone else have an idea? Or do you have an idea? These are all great for getting people to share their opinions and start being a part of the conversation and really any conversation. So let's see an example. Let's say we have three people talking, A, B, and C. So let's say person A and B are talking together, mostly. I think we should go see a movie after dinner tonight. Yep, that sounds great. What movie should we see? I want to see the new movie, Tenet. Me too. It looks so cool. What do you think, Amy? I'd love to see it too. Thank you for asking. So here, if we look at this conversation, this is when two people are having a conversation. Let's say person A and B were doing most of the talking, but they want to make sure that person C is okay with what they're talking about. She's not really talking much, so they want to make sure that she agrees or has a different opinion, right? So person A asked, what do you think, Amy? And Amy answered, I'd love to see it too. Thank you for asking, right? So this is a great way. Here we used, what do you think? But we also could have used, well, Amy, how about you? Or uh, do you have any another idea, Amy? right? We could have used our other phrases too. So here we see, this is a great example of uh, phrases and a conversation where we want another person to start talking and share their opinion. Now, what if we are talking to someone uh, and we want them to continue talking? Here, we're going to talk about some different words and phrases we use when Maybe someone is telling a story or they are uh, just having a conversation. They say something interesting. We want to know more. So how do we encourage people to continue talking or keep going? We could say simply, tell me more. We could use our open-ended follow-up questions with our five W's and H who, what, when, where, why, how, right? We can ask questions uh, that are open-ended, which we'll talk about what that means. And we can also use simple, small reaction words like, uh-huh, mm-hmm, right. Little things like this show that we're listening and can keep the person talking. So these phrases are good for one-on-one -on -one conversations and group conversations. So these are uh, phrases we can use anytime 
when we want someone to continue talking, keep talking about whatever topic they are talking about. So let's see an example. Here, uh, we're going to see an example between two people. I'm so frustrated. I have too much homework, so I don't have time to relax these days. Yeah, it's been a difficult semester. I just don't know what to do. I found a way to make things easier. Can you tell me more? Sure, I've been keeping a schedule and doing a little work each day so I don't have to do too much at once. Good idea. How much work do you do each day? Mm, about two or three hours a day. So let's look at this conversation a little closer. So here, two people are talking about, uh, about school, right? So person A, I don't have time to relax. I don't know what to do. Person B says, well, I found a way to make things easier. Now, the conversation could have ended there. Oh, good for you. I'm really stressed, though. But person A is interested, really. T tell me more. Or can you tell me more? And then they share. And again, oh, okay, well, I, I still want to know more. So here we have an open-ended follow-up question starting with how, how much. How much work do you do each day? Hmm, about two or three hours a day. So we can see that these questions, like can you tell me more, and how much work do you do each day, help keep the conversation going. Now, the, uh, another way that we can um, keep a conversation going is using small reaction words. So <clears throat> we often use small words like, uh-huh, mm-hmm, or mm, oh, or no way, right, to show that we are actively listening and want the person to keep talking. We often use these words when someone is telling a long story. So this is a way maybe someone's talking and we are listening closely. Here we see actively listening. So we're very interested in what they're saying. And when they say something, we react, right? We don't just sit silently and wait till they're done. We might use some small words like, oh, no way. Really? Right. Like this, to show that we're listening, uh, we're keeping up with what they're saying, and we want them to keep going. So we use small words because we often don't want to maybe inter interrupt or stop them talking by sharing our own sentence or our own story, but we want to show we're listening and we want them to continue. So we use small words like this. We can also use other reaction words or sounds too, like ah, or a sigh or a gasp, like ah, right? Just to show we're interested, we're listening, we are reacting to what they're saying. So this really can encourage people to continue talking, just showing that we are interested and showing some small reactions uh, that show we're really into their story. We want them to continue. 
So the last way that we uh, can encourage others to continue to speak is to use follow-up questions. So today, let's expand upon that skill. What are follow-up questions? How can we use them? And what are some examples? So a follow-up question is a question that we ask to get more information in a conversation. Follow-up questions usually start with our five W's and H, right? Who, what, when, where, why, how. For example, let's say I'm talking to a classmate. I might ask, why do you like your major? Follow-up questions can start with the be verb. Is, am, are, was, were. Are you happy you chose it? And uh, can commonly start with do. Do, does, or did. Do you want to be a teacher? So these are all different types of questions we can ask in a conversation to keep the conversation going. Follow-up questions are important to every conversation, and there's something you really want to know how to be able to use in English. They keep the conversation going. And sh again, show the person you're talking to that you are interested in what they're saying. Just like those reaction words, mm-hmm, oh, <gasps> no way, really? Tell me more. Just like things like that show that we want to keep the conversation going, so do follow-up questions. They can also help you understand the other person. If you are learning uh, another language, follow-up questions are great because they can help you to clarify, which means to make clear or to, uh, to understand better what the other person is talking about. And we can do this with follow-up questions. So let's look at some examples of the different follow-up questions. So here we have our five W's and H, who, what, when, where, why, and how. So let's see some examples. This is to show you that we can really ask questions about anything. There are so many. So let's see some who questions. Who are you going to dinner with? Who's your friend? What? What kind of movies did you like? What did you do last weekend? When? When did you do that? When are you going to go? Where? Where are you from? Where are you going on vacation? Why? Why is a great follow-up question. Why is that your favorite song? Why do you like playing board games? And then how? So here we're going to look at some different questions with how. How often? How many? How long? How well? How good? How often do you exercise? How many classes are you taking? How good are you at playing soccer? How long have you been a student? So here alone we see, what, 14 questions? Uh, so there, and this is just, just thinking of any question that starts with these words. So when you're in a conversation, keep those question words in your mind and you can ask them to follow up and keep the conversation going. It's very important in a conversation to ask open-ended questions. 
These are questions that cannot just be answered with yes or no. So these are the best questions. Now, questions like that start with do or did, did you have fun? Yes, I did. No, I didn't. Are you happy today? Yes, I am. No, I'm not. Those questions are okay and they're fine to use, but open-ended questions are the best because they really uh, help the other person to talk more. They can't just answer with yes or no. They have to share more information. So let's take a look at some closed questions, some yes or no questions, and see how we can change them into better questions, open-ended questions. So let's say someone is talking to me about uh, something they did over the weekend. I could ask, was it fun? And they could say yes or no. So how can I change that to an open question? What was it like? So instead of assuming or thinking that it was fun, I could ask, what was it like? This is really, tell me more about it. What was it like? Instead of, did you enjoy it? How did you feel? Instead of, did you have a good weekend? What did you do over the weekend? So here we see a great example. Did you have a good weekend? Yeah, I did. Or no, I didn't. What did you do over the weekend? Well, this will be a much longer response. I went here, I did that, I saw this person, and so on. Do you like listening to music? We could change to who's your favorite singer or what's your favorite band? Or maybe we see someone drawing. So you like drawing? Yeah, I do. Well, a better question could be, how did you become interested in drawing? Or why do you like drawing? And these will make for better conversations that really help keep the conversation going because they help us get more information from the other person. So let's take a look at a conversation with closed questions. Okay, so here we go, person A and B. Hey, did you have a good weekend? Yeah, it was great. Did you play any computer games? No, I just watched movies. Are you tired today? I hate Mondays. Yeah, I'm pretty tired. Do you have a lot of homework to do? Yes. Okay, so these are okay questions, but we see each time it's just yes or no. Questions that start with did or do and be. Yeah, I'm tired. Yeah, yes, no. So let's try to make this conversation better with open-ended questions. So instead of, did you have a good weekend? Hey, what did you do this weekend? Not much. I stayed home and watched movies. So we still get that same information. I watched movies. But now we're going to ask another open-ended question. Oh, what movies did you watch? We want more information, right? I watched the Lord of the Rings movies. I love those movies. Who's your favorite character? Oh, I think it'd have to be Samwise. Oh, really? Why is he your favorite? He's the bravest character and a loyal friend. They wouldn't have been successful without him. And so the conversation continues. So these open-ended questions, who, what, another what, why, they help us get a lot more information from the person we're talking to 
other than just yes or no. So remember to use open-ended questions to keep the conversation going. All right, guys. So today we talked about phrases to help people start talking like, what do you think? We learned phrases to help people continue talking like, can you tell me more? And we talked a little bit about follow-up questions and the importance of open-ended follow-up questions. So these are all really useful conversation tools that you can use anytime you're having an English conversation. So today's speaking skill, which I hope will be interesting to you, is how to have better and more interesting English conversations. So let's go ahead and talk about what that means and how we can do this. How can we have better, more interesting and more fun English conversations? So what will we do today? Well, I'd like to begin with a question. Have you ever tried to speak to someone in English, but you couldn't keep the conversation going? Maybe you felt very nervous, for example, because uh, you feel some, mm, some shyness or discomfort when you're speaking English with someone you don't know well. Uh, maybe you didn't know what to say, or you just got that feeling that, okay, this conversation is over and maybe you didn't want it to be. So has that ever happened to you? Or have you ever felt maybe that you have lower confidence with keeping English conversations going? Today, we're going to talk about three strategies to keep the conversation interesting. So we're going to talk about using better adjectives, a speaking strategy called QARF, and a tip about engaging the listener. So we're going to look in detail at these three conversation strategies that will help you have better, more interesting English conversations. So let's begin with using better adjectives. First, let's take a look at this word, adjective. So can you guys think of any adjectives? Maybe think to yourself, what are some adjectives? Uh, maybe words like good, fun, exciting, nice, um, uh, hot, cold, right? All of these are adjectives. Adjectives are words we use to describe things, right? So let's take a look at an example conversation and see what kind of adjectives we use here. So let's say I am person A and I say, uh, hey, what are you going to do this weekend? And you tell me, I'm going to see my favorite band in concert. I'm so excited. And I say, that's good. Um, conversation over? So why, why, what, what did we do here? Here we used the adjective good. So we can tell when we look at person B's response, right? They, they're very, they even say they're excited and it's their favorite band and they're going to see them live. So if we respond with low enthusiasm or a low energy adjective like, that's good, 
Well, that's a great way to make the conversation end, right? Let's try again. Same question. What are you going to do this weekend? I'm going to see my favorite band in concert. I'm so excited. That's awesome. Yeah, I can't wait. So here I am, uh, instead of just saying, hmm, that's good. If someone is telling me something they're excited about or interested in, right? Maybe their enthusiasm or excitement is high. I should meet them at that same level of excitement, right? To show them I'm interested. If I don't show them I'm interested in what they are saying, we can't really keep the conversation going, right? So here I just use the word awesome. That's awesome. That's a much stronger adjective than good, right? So let's take a look at some different uh, kinds of adjectives we can use. So here we want to use strong, powerful adjectives uh, to show our interest and to meet the other person's enthusiasm and to show that we're really interested in what that person is saying. So we can use words like awesome, right? Not good or nice, but awesome, amazing, interesting, or fascinating. These words are much stronger in a positive way, right? That's awesome. That's amazing. That's so interesting. That's fascinating. Those all sound a lot better than just, oh, cool, nice. Yeah, <laughs> right? So this is a very simple way in our first strategy today to having a better conversation is by in a small way, changing the words we use to show better enthusiasm and interest. We can also do this with negative words. Maybe someone is telling you about something bad that happened. Oh, that's awful. That's horrible. That's terrible. So here we have a few adjectives showing negative, right? Not just, oh, yeah, that sucks. Or, oh, mm, yeah, I'm sorry that that happened. But, oh, that's, that's horrible, you know? Really empathize and show greater interest. And the easiest way for positive or negative is to just add words like really, very, and so before the adjective that we're using. So this is a very simple way. And it's just step one in how to have a better conversation. So remember, using better adjectives is very simple and very useful and a good way to show the other person I am interested in what you're saying and I want to keep the conversation going. Next, let's talk about QARF. So let's build on this uh, uh, excited response. Using stronger adjectives is one way to show enthusiasm and interest in what the person is saying, but how can we take it a step further? So, right, using better adjectives, that's good, right? We can show we are interested, but that's just step one. So how can we take it a step further to an even better, even more fun and more interesting conversation? We can do this with a speaking strategy called QARF or CARF. So what is QARF? 
These are four simple letters to remember and help you when you're in an English conversation and maybe you're feeling a little nervous or stressed. Just remember Q-A-R-F. So what does that mean? Q means question. A stands for answer. R is response and F is follow-up question. So if we have a conversation between two people, maybe person one asks a question, person two answers, and person one responds and asks a follow-up question and it keeps going in this way. Q-A-R-F, A-R-F, 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 A-R-F. Uh, so let's see what this looks like. So let's try our conversation again with Q-A-R-F. And we're going to look at this in detail. So first, let's read this conversation. What are you going to do this weekend? I'm going to see my favorite band in concert. I'm so excited. That's awesome. I love going to concerts. Which band are you seeing? Oh, I'm going to see the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Do you like them? Yeah, they're great. I love their song, Under the Bridge. No way, that's my favorite song. Okay, wow. So we can tell that this is a much better conversation, right? But why? Well, let's look a little bit closer. So here, if we look at person A, we have a question, right? Often we start conversations with questions. How are you? What are you doing today? How are you feeling? Uh, what did you do yesterday? And so on, right? Person B answers the question. I'm going to see my favorite band. I'm so excited. Next, instead of just saying, that's great, or that's awesome, we have a response and a follow-up question. So here, my response is, that's awesome. I love going to concerts. And then a follow-up question about the topic, right? They're going to see their favorite band. Oh, which band is that? So even just this simple strategy of, of responding and adding a follow-up question can make it a much better conversation. Uh, sometimes if you're feeling nervous in a conversation, you might just have QA, 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 QA. What are you going to do? What about tomorrow? Do you like this? Do you want to do that? Right? Not really great. So how can we prevent ourselves from doing that with our response? So here I shared my opinion about what they are doing. That's awesome. And a little bit more detail about what they said. So something about me too. I love going to see concerts. And then my follow-up question, which band are you seeing? Then they answer, oh, I'm going to see the Red Hot Chili Peppers. And lucky me, they also asked me a follow-up question. Do you like them? Right? Very common in conversation. And here I'm responding, yeah, they're great. So I have my better adjective, right? Great. Up here we used awesome. I love their song, Under the Bridge. So again, adding a little bit more detail to my response. And then they respond, no way, that's my favorite song. 
And like this, our conversation can continue. So an easy way to remember is Q-A-R-F, question, answer, response, and follow-up question. Now, before we talk a little bit more about this, about how what is a good response and what is a good follow-up question, take note that in both the answer and the response, I'm adding details. So if you are, and this is another tip, uh, so if you're having a conversation with someone and you only give short, short, short answers, well, that makes it very difficult to have a meaningful, longer, more interesting conversation, right? So imagine, just like we did before, if this person said, I'm going to see a concert. Short answer. That's, that's awesome. Short response. Okay, well, our conversation is basically over, right? We can't really go very far from there. It's difficult. So be sure, if you are answering, give a detailed answer. Not just, I'm going to see a concert. I'm going to see my favorite band. How do I feel so excited? And when we respond, adding information about ourselves to, oh, I love going to see concerts. Adding details to our answers and responses is a great way to make the conversation way more interesting. And here in our response down here, this person asked, uh, do you like the Red Hot Chili Peppers? I could have just said, yeah. Oh, okay, conversation over again? No, yeah, they're great, my opinion. And adding more detail, I love their song, Under the Bridge. So adding details is a really great way to make QARF work for you. So let's go ahead and talk about what is a good response, right? We have Q and A, and remember to add details to your answers, but what are some good responses? We can use strong adjectives like, that's awesome. That's amazing. Oh, that's so cool. We can add our opinion, just like I did in that last conversation. That's awesome. I love going to concerts. That's so cool. Uh, I love their song, Under the Bridge, right? Adding our opinion. So step one and two. Another option for a different step two, so having our strong adjective response, that's awesome, that's amazing, that's fascinating, that's uh, spectacular, and then our opinion, we can also add a short anecdote. An anecdote is like a small, very, very short story, right? So let's say that I was in that conversation and, they, and I said, what are you going to do this weekend? Oh, I'm going to see my favorite band in concert. I'm so excited. So I might say, oh, that's awesome. Uh, and then short anecdote. I went to go see uh, my favorite band Radiohead in concert recently, and it was amazing. Then my follow-up question, who are you going to see? And the conversation continues. So this is another way to add detail. But remember to keep your, your story or your anecdote short. Right? We don't want to uh, have someone say, oh, this amazing thing, I'm going to see my favorite band, and then 
kind of ignore their response to tell a long story, right? So short anecdote. Oh, I did that. It was amazing. Who are you going to see? So these are all examples of good responses. Strong adjectives and your opinion, or strong adjectives and a short anecdote, or just a short little story to relate to what they are saying. Uh, and after we have shared our opinion or a short anecdote, what about follow-up questions? What are good follow-up questions? Well, of course, when we are asking questions, we should think of our question words like who, what, when, where, why, how, and which. So, for example, uh, the, let's say we had the question or the person said, I'm going to see my favorite band. Okay, so let's just write it here, favorite band from that conversation. Oh, I'm going to see my favorite band in concert. Let's try to make a follow-up question with each of these. I might say, who are you going with? Um, what are you most excited about? When are you going? Where is the concert? Uh, why is that your favorite band? How are you going to get there? Or how long have you liked this band? And maybe which song do you hope they play? I already have, what, seven questions I could ask. So if you're feeling a little concerned, oh, how do I keep this conversation going? Remember your WH questions. And now let's get some practice. We can think of a good response and a follow-up question for any topic. There are so many possible follow-up questions. So let's try. So let's say person A says, I'm from America. Okay, meeting someone for the first time. So how could I respond? Well, remember, I want to use a, a strong adjective and my opinion or an anecdote. So let's say I decide to use an anecdote. I could say something like, oh, that's interesting. Now my, there's my strong adjective and my anecdote. I went to America last year. It was awesome. And now a follow-up question. Where in America are you from? So this is much better than saying something like, oh, cool. Response, follow-up question. Oh, that's interesting. I went to America last year and it was great. Uh, where in America are you from? And then they share, right? Much better response. So my follow-up question was, where in America are you from? I could also ask a question like, um, uh, maybe how long? Did you, did you live in America if I'm seeing them in another country? Oh, why are you traveling here? What are you doing here, right? If I see them in another country. Many possible questions. Okay, let's look at our next one. Let's say person A says, I love to read. So hobby conversation, right? Another uh, getting to know you. Oh, I love to read. So remember, first I want to respond with my strong adjective and my opinion or an anecdote. So this time let's try an opinion. So my friend says, I love to read. I might say, oh, that's cool. I really like to read too, right? Agreeing, my opinion, I like to read too. And now 
I need my follow-up question. What kind of books do you like to read? So again, we can think of many follow-up questions here. What kind of books do you like to read? What are you reading now? How often do you read? Why do you like to read? Right? So many questions we could ask. Oh, do you prefer books or movies? And let's take a look at one more. Let's say I'm talking to someone and they tell me I want to be a business owner. So we're talking about our goals, jobs, things like that. So first I want to respond and remember strong adjective and opinion or anecdote. So I might say something like, oh, that's really interesting. Um, my dad is a business owner. Why do you want to be a business owner? Right? And my follow-up question, why do you want to be a business owner? Or again, something like, what kind of business would you like to own? Where would you want to own a business? And so on. So as you can see, we can have a good response and follow-up question to any topic. So remember, Q-A-R-F. Okay, our last tip today is to engage the listener. So what about when we have a story to tell in a conversation? Or what about when we have a lot to say or we have to speak for a long time? It's best not to dominate the conversation or this means to speak more, much more than the other person, right? So how can we change this? We can engage the listener. So the listener is the person we are talking to, right? So how can we do this? So let's say I'm telling a bit, I have a story to tell, we're having a great conversation already, and I want to talk about uh, my experience. Let's say we're talking about travel, and I want to tell the story of when I traveled to Vietnam, to Hanoi. I loved it, it was amazing, and I wanna talk about it. Well, I could probably talk about that trip for five minutes straight, but that's not the best way to have a conversation, right? Maybe the other person will lose interest or stop listening or, right, not really the best. So how can I engage that listener and have a better conversation? The first thing I could do is ask for their opinion about something. Like, what do you think about da-da-da? For example, I could share about when I went on a food tour in Vietnam, right? Maybe I'm talking about that. And instead of telling the rest of my story right away, I could say, oh, what do you think about food tours? Or what do you think about Vietnamese food? Have you ever had Vietnamese food? Right? What do you think about it? And now they're engaged. Oh, yeah, I've had it. And I think da 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 Oh, yeah, me too. It was so good. And then I can continue my story, right? Number two, depending on the story you're telling, you could ask for their advice. Uh, so actually, these two topics we have talked about in previous live streams, giving and asking for opinions, and also uh, giving and asking for advice, right? So words like should, could, ought to, had better. And then with opinions, I really like, I'm into, and so on. So be sure to check out our previous live streams for that. Uh, so the second way is to ask for advice. If you need to, what would you do if you were me? 
So maybe I'm telling a story of, oh, something happened. I, I was, um, I lost my phone. It was so crazy. What would you have done in that situation? Right? What would you have done if you were me? So ask for their opinion, their advice, what they would have done. And then they might share, oh, yeah, maybe they'll share a story. Oh, that I lost my phone once and I, I had to do this. Da, da, da. What did you do? So we've engaged them. We're not just talking uninterrupted. And the last way is to ask if they have a similar experience. So a question like, have you ever? So maybe even before I tell my story, oh, yeah, my favorite travel experience was when I went to Vietnam. Have you ever been there? Or in my story, have you ever had Vietnamese food? Have you ever done this? Have you done that? Where's your favorite place? You have traveled. What's your experience like? So asking about their experience. So remember to engage the listener, ask questions during your story. Ask for their opinion. Ask for their advice if it's relevant or if you need to. And ask about their similar experiences. The key point is to be aware of your talking time. Be aware of when you're talking for a little too long. Maybe some of you do that. I know I certainly do sometimes. Be aware of how long you're talking. And, uh, but one thing, a tip that I want to give you guys is it's not always you doing all the talking, right? Sometimes maybe you're talking to someone, they are talking a lot. So a tip, if they are not engaging you and you're just sitting there, uh-huh, hmm, ah, listening to a very long story, you can do something called interject. So this means maybe they get to the end of a sentence and now you can uh, add something you want to say, right? Oh, maybe there, maybe I am talking to you and I'm talking a lot, blah, 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 going on about my travel experience. And you're like, okay, yep, okay, okay, Sarah, right? You're talking a lot. So you can interject with your experience. Maybe I'm talking about my food tour and I'm about to keep talking, but I pause and you might say, interject. Oh, that reminds me of when I went to this place and I tried this and I did that. Okay, so another tip, maybe you're on the other side, they are talking a lot. You can interrupt politely, interject with uh, something you want to share, right? And again, you can share your opinion or share your advice or share your similar experience when the tables are turned. So last, remember, a conversation should have back and forth. And sometimes you have to take charge. This might mean uh, asking a question, right? Asking for opinion, advice, or a similar experience, or interjecting with your opinion, advice, or similar experience. Okay, guys, so remember, use strong adjectives. Show your enthusiasm. Show you are interested with your words. And you can do it with your tone of voice and your gestures and body language as well. But step one, strong adjectives show that you are really interested in what the person is saying. Step two, use QARF. Remember to, if you are answering a question, answer in detail, right? 
don't just give a short, 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 simple answer. Tell a little bit more. If you are responding to what someone else said, be sure to add your opinion or maybe a short anecdote about what happened to you and ask a good follow-up question, again, to show you're interested and to give each other more to talk about. More details, better conversation, easier to talk, right? The more you know, the easier it is to keep a conversation going. And last, remember to engage the listener. Ask questions, ask for their advice, their opinion, their similar experiences, or if you are the listener, remember it's okay to interject and ask questions of your own. Today, let's talk about something called the mirroring method. So first, let's answer our, of course, our first question. What is the mirroring method? Well, we can think first, of course, what is a mirror? Well, here we see someone looking into a mirror, right? You see what we call your reflection, right? Looks the same. And what you do, your reflection does in the mirror, right? So this is where the name for the mirroring method comes from, is a mirror, right? It does the same thing as you. Mirroring is the careful study of an English speaker. Uh, so this includes using verbal and nonverbal behavior, which we'll talk about. So here, uh, mirroring we use with video because this is something we study and practice over time. So we want to use a recorded video of a speaker, of an English speaker, that we can use to study and practice their verbal and nonverbal behavior. So we'll talk about what that is. So you watch a video of an original model English speaker, and as you watch, you practice mirroring or repeating exactly what the speaker is doing. This includes verbal behavior, so speaking, and the way the person is speaking, and nonverbal behavior. So this is body language. Maybe this means their facial expressions. It can help to look at someone's mouth for pronunciation, what they do with their hands, what facial expressions they make, and so on. So why should you mirror? Why is this a useful strategy? You can improve many different areas of your language learning uh, by doing something like mirroring. So by watching, studying, and repeating native speakers or just good speakers of English, you can improve things like your rhythm. So rhythm is the, uh, like the pace and speed at which you speak, right? So each language has some different rhythm. So you can improve your rhythm. You can improve your intonation and Intonation is the way our voice goes up and down when we speak uh, any language, right? So different languages have different intonation. And also the way we talk about things, we use different rhythm and different intonation 
depending on the topic. So uh, mirroring and watching a really good model and repeating after a good model speaker. And, and by the way, model means like a really good example. Uh, maybe no one is perfect, but a great example is a model. So someone who you want to be like, right? Oh, they do. They speak so well. I want to be like them. I, they are my model, right? They are a good example. So also you can improve your nonverbal, so non-speaking communication. So remember that's things like gestures, facial expressions, and so on. And of course your overall confidence. This is an easy method to practice and you will see yourself improve as long as you are consistent, of course. Another reason why you should mirror is you can see how all these different parts of pronunciation, rhythm and intonation and sentence stress and word stress and so on, make a speaker more effective and easier to understand when they are sharing what they want to say. And finally, it's enjoyable. Uh, many students who have used this method say that it gave them more confidence and helped them to be interested in English again. So if you feel like uh, maybe the way you are studying now is not fun for you or not interesting, this is a really great tool. All right, so we now we know what is mirroring and why you should do it. So next, let's talk about who. So I mentioned the word model, right? This is the person you are going to choose. The model can be a native speaker of English or a really good non-native speaker. Choose someone you enjoy watching. If you really enjoy watching the news, and you have someone that uh, you really enjoy watching, you can watch them and model. They can be your model. You can mirror them. So you can choose anyone. If you enjoy sports, choose your favorite athlete and watch them in interviews and you can mirror them. It's up to you who you choose to model, but make sure it's someone you enjoy. If you are modeling someone who, oh, it's so boring, then this will not be fun, right? So choose someone you enjoy. You can mirror people on many platforms like YouTube and Netflix. There are so many options available and you can choose the person you uh, want to watch. And you can also choose the topic that you are interested in talking about right? You're mirroring someone's uh, speech and body language. So you can choose the person and topic you enjoy. So that's very important. Make sure you enjoy it. Okay, next, uh, let's talk about how. How do you do it? How do you mirror someone? What is the method? So I'm going to give two simple steps and I encourage you to look back, maybe watch this part of the video again, if this is a method you want to try, uh, just to make sure 
you get it. So step one is to analyze what you are watching. So let's take a look at this word, analyze. Analyze means to look closely, right? Look at the details and really try to understand in a deep way, really understand what you are watching. So start by focusing on the big picture or the big uh, themes of what you are watching, like who the speaker is, what they are trying to do, and what speech characteristics they use to accomplish that goal. So let's go back. First, who the speaker is. Uh, so, of course, you want, are you listening to an athlete? Are you listening to a scientist? Are you listening to just a normal YouTuber? Who is the speaker? And next, what are they trying to do? So maybe you are watching uh, something that is trying to inspire you or make you feel motivated, like you want to do something. Is that what they're trying to do? Maybe they're trying to persuade you, which means to change your opinion. So is that what they're doing in the video? Maybe you choose to mirror someone who is teaching. Is that what they're trying to do? And so on. So there are many things. Maybe they are just talking about their daily life. Maybe they are... Uh, just sharing some simple information. Maybe they are talking about a product uh, and so on. They're, so what are they trying to do? This is very important because this changes the way that we speak. So for example, if someone is trying to inspire you, the speed and volume and pausing that they use and things again like intonation are going to be different than if they are teaching you, let's say. So it's very important to know what they are trying to do in the video. Is it to inspire you? Is it to teach you? Is it informal, which means maybe just casual or maybe just talking about like a vlog or something, talking about their daily life like they would talk to a friend? And how are they speaking? So this is step one. Analyze. Look closely, right? Who are they? What are they trying to do? And what do you notice about the way they are speaking to do that thing? So for example, when you listen to me, maybe you notice what, where, what is the purpose of this video? Well, of course, it's to teach you about this method. So you might notice my speed is slow and clear. My volume is uh, normal, right? Not too loud, not too quiet. And I pause often to make sure that you can understand. So this is, uh, these are some different characteristics or qualities or traits when someone is trying to teach right? So you know why you are watching me, you know who I am, what I'm trying to do, and you can hear my speech is different than if I was trying to inspire you or persuade you 
or talk about my daily life, right? Okay, so step one, analyze what you are watching. Who is it? What are they trying to do? And how are they speaking to do that? If they are teaching, how are they speaking to teach? Okay, the second step is to uh, continue to analyze, but in this, we're going a little bit deeper. So let's change that to, oh, where'd my mouse go? There we go. Analyze more deeply what you are listening to, okay? So maybe it is a 10-minute video. Well, you probably cannot use this method for the entire 10 minutes at one time. Maybe choose a short segment, maybe something like 15 to 30 seconds of the model's speech and focus on their stress, right? That the way that they emphasize certain words in their sentence, their rhythm, their intonation, or uh, maybe, maybe these are areas that you are very good at. So focus on your area of need. Maybe you really want to work on your uh, your your uh, body language, for example, uh, or you want to work on putting it all together and speaking more fluently uh, with good flow and so on. So focus on your area of need for a small section of the model's speech. Then you are going to spend time practicing it for memorization. This is another reason why it's good that it's very short, right? We don't want to memorize 10 minutes of speech and body language. That's very hard. Uh, maybe you could do the whole thing eventually in small sections, uh, but just choose something small. And if 15 seconds is too long for you, you can do even shorter than that. You can do one sentence, right? So start with something easy for you. So first spend time practicing it just for memorizing the words, the uh, intonation, the rhythm, and then slowly add those nonverbal gestures, movements, and facial expressions to fully mirror the model. So this is mirroring. Right, so we're going to choose the person that we want to model, analyze or really look and listen very closely to their speech and what they are trying to do with their speech, and then spend a good amount of time practicing, memorizing, and really working on mirroring what they're doing. So something important is that mirroring takes time and practice. So some of you, this uh, might be confusing this with another method called shadowing. Shadowing is repeating a speaker with a short delay. So for example, maybe I am watching a movie in the language, let's say I am trying to learn Spanish. So if I'm watching a Spanish movie, Shadowing is just listening and repeating right away, right? There's very short time between, but that's not mirroring. Shadowing can be useful too if your level is a little higher and you're just trying to quickly work on your comprehension uh, and understanding.
Mirroring takes time and practice. So one to three weeks, depending on how long or how difficult what you chose is. So if you chose a vlog, for example, and you chose 30 seconds of someone talking about uh, what they are going to do that day, maybe just one week. If you chose a topic like technology with a lot of vocabulary and that's a little more difficult, maybe three weeks. But it takes time and practice. So also unlike shadowing, that you are choosing the model and you're focusing on verbal and nonverbal, so speaking and body language, to mirror the speaker's emotions and purpose. So this can be very useful for learning how to express similar emotions and a similar purpose. So remember, the purpose is the reason why they are speaking. So their purpose, again, might be teaching. So uh, maybe you are an English teacher. I know some of you who watch this channel are. So watching a teacher and mirroring their, the way that they speak and what they do might help you to feel more confident in your ability to teach in English. If you want to talk about a certain topic and try to persuade someone, remember, change their opinion about some any topic, listening to a good model that you like, that is very good at persuading, can help you to learn and practice the ways that they do that to become more effective. This is something that second language learners do. So you learning English, but uh, we do this in our native language as well, right? There are people who we think are very good speakers or very good teachers, very good uh, persuaders, and we we're very good at inspiring people, and we might try to be like them. And this includes trying to speak like them or express our ideas like them, right? So we do this with our role models anyway. This is just doing it in a second language, and it can really, really help you to uh, learn how to do it, express whatever that uh, emotion or purpose is more effectively. Okay, so next I'm going to give you two very good resources you can use to help you with this method. So I'm going to give you one for Netflix and one for YouTube. All right, so for Netflix, uh, there is a Google Chrome extension. So if you use Google Chrome, you can download this called Language Learning with Netflix. You can use this to study your favorite shows and movies on Netflix. So uh, let's talk about how to use it quickly. You can download it from the Chrome Web Store, which we see here, right? So it's in your settings, extensions, and just search for language learning with Netflix. You can also just go to google.com and type in language learning with Netflix, and you can download it. So it's free. Woo, no money, free app to use, free extension. And let me show you what exactly this does. So after you download it, you'll see uh, when you watch uh, YouTube or, net or when you watch Netflix, a setting will come up. 
and you can click to turn it on. So after you turn it on, this is the screen that you will see. You can see that it gives you uh, English and the subtitles in your language. So for this example, I used Korean. Uh, so here we have English and Korean subtitles, but it can be English in any, so many languages uh, shown at the same time. Okay. So once you get here, you can click the settings button and then you'll see this screen. So choose the correct settings, the audio. So what is the language you hear the Netflix show in? What the subtitle language is and what the translation language is. So here again, I chose Korean, but there are many, many options available. And this is what you'll see. And there are some cool features with this as well. You can highlight a word and then something will pop up and you can see the definition of the word. You can click this little play button here to repeat the sentence and listen again. This is very good for shadowing or uh, if you want to really just listen, right? You can do short 15 to 30 seconds. Also very good for studying mirroring as well. So click that button to listen again. Then uh, if you see the sentence here, you can even hover over or put your mouse over the word, right? So let's say your mouse is here. This screen will pop up and give you definitions and some examples of how it's used in the show that you're watching. So you can listen to just one word. You can listen to a whole sentence, you can even just click the word and hear the pronunciation again and again and see the translation in your language. So I think this is a very cool tool. And uh, if you want, you can click this button over here, turn this AP on to stop the video after each sentence if you want to study hard and really listen again and again. So again, this is called Language Learning with Netflix. This is a really great way to study with a show or a movie that you like. Uh, and also the last thing here is you can click this star button to save the phrase. So you'll be able to see it again in the future and this really helps to organize your learning. So that's for Netflix. Uh, there's another one called dual subtitle for YouTube. So same, you can find this on the Google Chrome store. It's also free and it's called YouTube dual subtitle. So it's the same uh, idea, right? You download it, you go to YouTube, and then you can choose the subtitles two at the same time that you want to see on YouTube. So the Netflix one is a little better. You can click the words, but here at least with so many YouTube videos, you can see two subtitles at the same time. So I encourage you to use this to study your favorite YouTube channels. And if the person you want to mirror is on YouTube, this can be a really great way of understanding what they are saying and what their purpose is, right? So as you read in your native language, ah, they're trying to persuade me. Oh, they're trying to make me buy something. Oh, they're trying to teach me, right? 
So having these subtitles can help you to understand and analyze what they are saying, and then go ahead and begin your mirroring study. So as I said, this extension is similar to language learning with Netflix, but for YouTube. So I encourage you guys to use these well. And the last thing, the last that so we have Netflix and YouTube, Google Chrome extensions. And here is something I have mentioned before, TED.com. So TED is an excellent resource. I'm sure many of you have watched TED Talks. People from all over the world on all different topics give speeches in front of an audience where they talk about so many different topics. Many are about teaching and sharing information, but some are art, artistic, right? There's music and poetry and um, people sharing stories about their lives, things like that. So many different topics. And many, many, many videos have subtitles in other languages. So if you want to study some very, very good model English speakers, TED.com is excellent for this. You can improve your listening, speaking, your vocabulary, and your body language. These people on TED are presenting, so they are very careful and very purposeful with their body language, how they are speaking. Uh, and because there are so, so, so hundreds of topics you can choose from, you can really improve your vocabulary about many different topics. Also, the videos have full transcripts. So a transcript is the whole, everything that the person says in the video that you can read. And you can also see a translation of the whole transcript. So this can help you with mirroring, right? You have it right there before you. You can memorize, practice, and really learn to mimic some really excellent English speakers. Okay, guys, so that is it for today for this lesson about mirroring. This is a really great way to learn and practice, and I really hope you give it a try.